Hello, I'm Felicia Vereen, always known as Fee. Hey, Fee, and I'm your girl, Shavita Three, better known as Red. And, and we, we are Inspire Her, Her, the Total Woman Podcast, a new podcast all about uplifting you. Yes. Because, friends, face it, you are awesome. We'll be chatting up about topics we love to talk about, all the things we as women must deal with every day and the ish we complain about. Who's listening? We'll chat about the struggle, the job, and about him. Mm. You know who we're talking about. That boo, husband, boyfriend, ex, whatever you're calling them today. Mm. Our lovely hellions. (laughs) I mean, kids. Our angels. But seriously, friends, life happens, and we don't always get a chance to talk about it. We take it on the chin, and we keep it moving. Because that's what we were told to do. But here on Inspire Her, the Total Woman podcast with Red and Fee, we are the friends you love to hang out with. We are here to inspire her, the Total Woman. Hey, Red. Hey, Fee. How are you? I am real good. You know what? We need to change our uh, intro. We, We got a new podcast anymore. That's true. I was thinking about that. Maybe we can look into doing that when I come to the Georgia. Sam, you are coming to Savannah. We're going to have us out a good time. I got some surprises for you. Okay. You know, I can't keep secrets, but I'm trying. (laughs) (laughs) Well, tonight, girl, it is our third and last episode of our She is a Boss series. Ooh, this is my girl from the VA. Introduce girl. our girl. Yes, I am. I am super excited. We have had two awesome bosses from GA. Now we have a boss from my home state of Virginia. So let yeah. me get right into introducing her. Her name is Nakia Bland. She is a, a native of Petersburg, Virginia. She graduated in the class of 96 from Matoaka High School, and in 2000, she obtained her bachelor's degree from Hampton University. Nakia currently serves as the CEO of her family business, Bland Funeral Homes in Petersburg. Her grandfather began the business in 1952. Preserving the rich legacy her grandfather and parents passed down to her is something she values very deeply. Nakia is committed to ensuring that the same caring, dignified, professional, and personal services she wants them provide to the community continues to be the hallmark standard in which she operates the family business. This year, the Bland family will be blessed to celebrate 70 years of serving the community. Nakia is also the lead business counselor for the Women's Business Center of RVA, which is Richmond, Virginia. WBC Richmond provides one-on-one counseling, training, technical assistance, networking, and resources vital to the success of women and minority entrepreneurs in the Richmond area. She absolutely loves working in this role because she has a passion for helping women achieve their entrepreneurial goals. Nakia believes that one of the most important factors needed to grow and transform our communities is through economic development. It is important that we connect with one another and support one another to ensure that this happens, especially in communities that are suffering. She firmly believes that being a boss means nothing if you are not helping others elevate with you. In the community, Nakia is a member of Metropolitan Baptist Church located in Petersburg, Virginia, And she is also a member of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated. She is a mom to four beautiful children, Nasia, 22, VJ, 19, Nia, 10, and Vaden, 7. Nakia loves spending time with her children, traveling, and encouraging others daily. You can find her meditating, praying, or doing yoga, as these practices help keep her centered, grounded, and focused. She also loves music. And she can sing a little bit, too. So maybe we'll get her to sing a little bit today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Most of all, Nakia loves the Lord with all her heart and attributes every single blessing, achievement, and accomplishment she has received to her Heavenly Father. She has been through some things in her life and acknowledges that He is what has kept her in perfect peace. 
Amen. 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 Wow. She is the heir to the throne and a true boss. Welcome, Nakia, my soul. Yes, and my sister in Christ. I'm so honored, ladies, to be a part of this podcast. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, yes. we are so excited to have you. I was like, I I just, you know, we're friends on Facebook. We attend the same yes. church and you know Vaden. I'm always yes. on your Facebook talking about how cute yes. that cute pie is. <laughs> Um, he has a lot yeah, of girlfriends. I'm sure he does. <laughs> <laughs> but girl, I am just, you know, just so excited to just hear you read that. How are you able to balance being a mother, a business owner, mm-hmm. and still provide your self-care? Listen, this this is something that I'm still trying to navigate. I have definitely made progress. Basically, what I like to do is if I'm not grounded and start off my morning with prayer, and meditation and just just being one with him and in myself and just getting myself together my whole day is off mm-hmm. so that's definitely how i have to start every single day i can feel the difference when i'm rushing things just don't flow right so i really feel like you got to tap into your spiritual practice your spiritual routine doesn't have to be something that's all extravagant just something that you like to do that will allow you to be quiet and sit still. So that's definitely the start to my everyday. As far as balancing kids, well, I have what I call set A and set B kids. (laughs) Set A kids are the older kids. My oldest daughter is 22. My oldest son is 19. They are young adults. So thankfully, although they still call me every single day, there's never a day that that does not go by that they don't call me, they are more self-sufficient. So it honestly is a little bit easier because the things that we talk about, I give them instruction and they do it. So I don't have like the, the, the whole experience of having all four kids in the house at the same time because both of them are off to college. But when they come home, it's a lot. Now, as far as the little ones, I'm still trying to figure that out because I had them later in life. You know, I'm a little bit older now. So my patience, not all of that great. And Vaden with his little cute self is the one that gives me the run for my money. You better believe it. So, you know, I just, I just be myself around my kids. You know, I let them know when mommy's tired, look, mommy's tired. Mommy needs a break. So I feel like being honest with your kids. And then allowing them to express themselves and share their emotions and letting them know it's okay to not feel a certain way. So we do a lot of talking. We do a lot of laughing. We do a lot of playing to help keep the relationship tight. That way, you know, it's easier for them to receive from me. Come on, let's go to school because we, we're cool. They know who mama is now. Don't get it twisted. But I think the, the relationship that we've built together as mom and kid, we're so close that they make it happen for me. I'm really blessed to have good kids. Work? Oh, let me see. <laughs> the funeral home is, is a lot. <laughs> it's imagine. a lot. Now, I will say that I am not a funeral director, so I'm not the person that embalms and prepares bodies and things like that. I have hired two great funeral directors to do that for me. But running the business, that's not easy. You know, I'm going to be quite frank with you. Sometimes things go great. Sometimes things go not so great. Mm -hmm. So again, with that, a lot of prayer, a lot of patience, learning from my mistakes, you know, being open to hearing what my employees have to say, being open to constructive criticism. I really feel like your employees, the people that you have working for you are your best asset. Working at the funeral home, it's a lot. You know, that particular industry um, is one that is very tiresome because we never close. We're always open. We always want to be available to our families. So it's, it's a very stressful business. We have good days. We have bad days. I will say that I am not a funeral director, so I'm not the one that's actually doing the work as far as preparing the bodies and meeting with families to plan funerals and whatnot. I have two um, great funeral directors that I've hired. I just kind of maintain the daily operations of the business. Um, my employees, you know, I have a great team that support me. They've been there for years. And so they, they have a great respect and appreciation for my family, which I'm so very humbled and so appreciative of. So we really kind of act like a family and they help support me in every area 
that I need help in. Like if I'm having a bad day, they pick up right behind me and they make it work. So I believe that having a great team is your great greatest asset when you have a business. And I'm blessed and really fortunate to have that. So they help me with the managing the work, the work part. So, you know, it's just a lot of, you know, a lot of love in my home, mm -hmm. a lot of communication. I really focus on building relationships. The thing that I worry about the most with my children is making sure that I don't want any one child to feel less than the other. So trying to find the balance, you know, I often find myself, you know, constantly making sure everybody feels loved a lot because when you start having one, two, three, and four children, you'll never want anybody to feel slighted. Mm -hmm. So I juggle with that. But my kids like mine, you good, like relax, you, you're okay. <laughs> you know, so they remind me of that. So, and then with the work, it's the people that work for me. You got to have a good village. You got to have a good support team. You have to have good people around you. And that really helps me balance everything because I really am blessed to have some really good people around me. That is great. I mean, because you are in a male-dominated industry. I know you said you're not a funeral director, but being able to hold your own in that industry is something. That's a challenge that you have obviously mastered. And your family you. having that, um, that brand. 70 years. You started wow. in 1852. Yes, that, I am. That's a, that, I remember I used to live in Richmond, Virginia. I moved here years ago to Savannah, Georgia. But I lived in Richmond and I had definitely heard of Bland Funeral Home. That is, awesome. that is a legacy and you are definitely the heir to the throne. Yes. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's an honor. Tell us about the pros and cons of being a preacher's kid or a PK. And then, you know, just you talked a little bit about your faith in God and how it has guided right. your path. So if you want to elaborate on that, but how was it growing up? Did you feel like, oh, I, you know, did, were you like sneaking out the house? Class, you know, <laughs> well, yeah, I've definitely done some things that I should not have been doing. <laughs> all in your business. Yes, feel it, girl. Yes. Well, listen here. I look, I am not ashamed, I am not perfect, and I, yes, preacher kids, when you hear, you know, sometimes that they're the worst, that can sometimes be true. Uh -oh. Now, me personally, I did some things that I was not supposed to do. Um, maybe snuck a boy in here or there. <laughs> but honestly, I've always by by nature been a good girl, you know, <laughs> but I have done some things. I guess the pros of being a preacher's kid, obviously, um, they introduced me to my faith. You know, my mom and dad, they've both passed on now, unfortunately, but they both were uh, a man and woman of great faith. You know, even through their difficult moments, even through, you know, our personal family issues, mm -hmm. they always made sure to bring, you know, God into the midst of everything. You know, I watch how their reputations in the community, how people loved them and appreciated them. So, you know, being a part of that legacy, you know, has been a blessing. Like a lot of people, you know, kind of just deal with me on the strength of what my, my dad may have done for their family or my mom or vice versa. So I'm actually living in the legacy and the goodness that they, they gave throughout the community. And that's like blessing me now. So that's definitely a pro. Um, cons, obviously, you know, when you're a preacher's kid, people tend to look at you under a microscope. They're looking at everything you're doing. They're judging you constantly. There's a lot of pressure to make sure, you know, you try to stay on your P's and Q's and not get caught smoking the cigarette or something <laughs> like that. You know, so, you know, I, I've had to deal with that. I'm also very stubborn. I got to my little phase in my life where I was like, you know what, this is me. You know, I can't be fake in front. Yes, I love God and all of that, but this is what I do too. And I'm okay with that. <laughs> right. You know, so I just had to kind of like just, it, it helped me to learn how to not worry so much about what people thought of me. You know, again, being a preacher's family just in general is hard. It's a lot of pressure because oftentimes when the preacher has a mistake or the preacher's wife has a mistake, you know, there's not a lot of compassion and grace and mercy extended all the time because we're held to a higher standard. And that's a lot to live up to. It can be a lot of pressure. But thank God that I got to the point where I, I'm just the type of person, look, 
I don't care what you think about me. I'm a good person. Am I perfect? No. Am I going to make mistakes? Absolutely. So I had to kind of stop worrying about, you know, living up to that standard because you can never live up to that standard. I'm like, God loves me. And that was enough for me. Mm-hmm. So it took me a while to get to that. But once I got there, listen, I look, it is what it is. I am who I am. I'm good. It's definitely been a challenge, but I, I wouldn't trade it for the world. Absolutely I, not. That will preach. Stop trying to live up to other people's standards. Yes. Mm-hmm. You That's have to. conversation right there. Tell us about your business and how you came to be the CEO of Bland Funeral Home. Yes. Well, I did not get into this position by choice. I'll be very completely honest with you. Mm -hmm. Being in the funeral home was not something that I was groomed for. My grandfather came up in an era off of and during a civil rights era. So he was really big on making sure that his sons, the men in our family, um, were not subject to racism and the things that he had been through. So he placed a lot of focus on men. He came up in that era where he was very traditional and the man did the work and the lady, y'all can come help, but y'all be quiet and sit down. We got this, you know? (laughs) So he groomed my dad and my brother. He groomed the men. Now, fast forward a couple of years, my mom started working at the funeral home. She was a licensed funeral director. He began to see that, hmm, well, my daughter-in-law run the business better than my son. <laughs> so he kind of switched up his viewpoint on having women, you know, run the business. And so he and my mom used to go at it all the time fussing, but they were the best of friends. And he actually realized that my mother was a better fit for running the daily operations of the business. So he had a transformation of heart, which leads to when my mom was the owner and running the funeral home. When she became ill and passed away, I was the next person in line because she left it to me to run. My brother was having some issues. That's how I got into it. Kind of fell into my lap. I was not expecting my mother to pass away. At that time, my father had already had a massive stroke. So he was not able to do anything. He was in a nursing home and had been in there for years. My brother, unfortunately, was away on a little vacation, one of them types of vacations where he couldn't come out of the vacation until they (laughs) said he could come out. Mm -hmm. So it was just me, you know. And at that time, I was in Augusta, Georgia, actually, because I was married and my husband was military. And that's where we were stationed. Oh, wow. And so my mom dies. Yeah. My mom dies unexpectedly. I'm in Georgia. I'm like, okay. So I got to go back there. So I kind of just changed my whole life and came back home. And I actually was very upset because I'm like, how are y'all going to leave me with this? And this not really, I ain't trying to do this for real. It was a lot to kind of receive and accept. And um, it took me some time to see what God was doing in my life. It took me some time to soul search and accept the call that he had placed on my life because that was not in my plan. And that just taught me through that time that our plans are not always what God plans for us. And so when I began to accept the call, I actually began to start enjoying it. Mm -hmm. You know, so this was about 2013. My mom passed away in 2013. And it took me a couple months to kind of get with the program. But once I got with the program, I actually was like, oh, well, I like this. Well, you were grieving too. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it, you know, it took a while because it was like when it, when they left me the funeral home, everything wasn't packaged in a perfect bow. There were a lot of issues, you know, a lot of debt, a lot of things that I had to kind of tackle and it was very overwhelming. So I had to really, you know, yeah, I had my little degree from Hampton, but I didn't remember none of that stuff. (laughs) That stuff was not helping me. (laughs) Was not helping me. Okay. (laughs) I don't remember none of this. So I had to trial and error and I had to kind of find my groove and find my way. And I finally feel like I'm getting to the point like right now where I'm in my good groove, you know, because I also made the mistake of trying to run the business the way my grandfather did and the way my mother did. And I had to learn that, no, you have to find what works for Nikki and be confident in that. And I'm just really getting real good into my Nikki 
run the business shoes. And and I've I've done well. I've made a lot of mistakes, but I've learned so much. And I'm proud of what I'm done, what I've done and what I'm doing. And I look forward to expanding and growing. So it's been it's been a lot. It's been it's definitely been a lot. Um it's a big, big, big responsibility. And I was angry for a bit because I'm like, everybody just going to leave and just going to drop this in my lap like this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so that's honestly how I felt in the beginning. But you um, had it so, in you. You had it in yeah, you. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely was, you know, a transformational process for me. God was speaking to me heavily and I was resisting. When I surrendered, I felt so much better. And I actually see now what God was doing. And so I'm grateful. Wow, that's a story. You are definitely helping some people out there right now. Absolutely. That's, that's a lesson that there's some friends. She inherited a legacy and definitely. And she 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 wasn't it wasn't welcoming to her at first. She had to Mm-mm. sit there and sit in it and understand it and develop it and sometimes we have to do the same thing. Stop running from stop running from what God right. has for you. So quick question, which one of your four babies are you grooming to be your heir? Anybody interested? Well, I think that if anybody was to possibly, you know, try it out, it would be my oldest son. My oldest son is very laid back, very low key, you know, so yeah, but you know, I don't put pressure on any of them because the way that I've decided to do with my children is to let them know, yes, you will inherit this. And so you're going to be blessed by this, whether you choose to actively be involved or not, because when you put the pressure on your kids to do something that they don't want to do, they they resist it. And Mm -hmm. I can't be upset with any of my children if they're not interested in this particular industry. So I decided to let them know about it differently. I told them that I'm working now to make sure that everything is set up for them, you know, so God forbid anything happens to me, this is how this will be transitioned and passed down to you. Now, these are your options. You know, if you want to get into the business, then you can go to school and become a funeral director, or you can just run it and hire people, you know, but I want you to know that you have the option of determining which level of involvement you want to have in the business, but you will own it because that's the way that I'm structuring it. I'm more concerned with leaving the legacy and not putting the pressure on them to come into the business to do that actual field of work because I'm not interested in doing anything regarding the touching or the preparation or the dressing <laughs> of a deceased person. I don't Yes, be like, I got my <laughs> limits. I got some boundaries. Yeah. 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 I, so I don't have no interest in that. I told them you can hire people to work for you, but this is yours. So that's the way it's, it's all about what, what a lot of families do is they don't have a proper succession plan. Mm-hmm. And my parents did not have a proper succession plans. So I learned to do it a little bit differently. So they have the option, but it will always be theirs. So I'm teaching them more so the, the importance of ownership and, and having and uh, in being invested in preserving legacies and benefiting from legacies as opposed to actually having to go to school and be a funeral director. If you don't want to do that, that's cool with me. I'm okay with it. All right. Well, listen, we already talked about this a little bit about the funeral mm-hmm. home business being predominantly a male owned business. Now mm-hmm. I know you probably have meetings or conferences or something that you guys go to where you have to gather with other uh, funeral home owners at times, maybe I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Has this mm-hmm. been, an issue with being respected as a female CEO in this industry? Well, I'll tell you like this. The funeral home industry is much like our churches. You got your black churches and you got your white churches. You have your black funeral homes and you have your white funeral homes. I do not personally go to any of the national uh, mortician conferences that are, you know, more diverse with whites, blacks, all types of people. We actually have a very close-knit community of morticians in our area. I'm very close with all of the funeral directors in the Petersburg area. It's primarily Black, all Black, pretty much. Mm -hmm. And we actually have quite a few women that are funeral directors now. So I honestly 
do not experience any type of gender issue because we're all close-knit. And I will say that most of the funeral directors that are in the area and up and down the East Coast actually did their apprenticeship under my grandfather or under my father at our funeral home. A lot of the funeral directors have started there. The mayor of Norfolk, Kenny Alexander, he was an apprentice at our funeral home. A lot of the funeral directors that have funeral homes in the area did their apprenticeship under us. So I say all that to say that my family, what my grandfather and my father and my mother had going on, established a great bit of respect within the Black funeral home community. So it's separate, just like the Black church and the white church. We all get along, you know? It's nothing for me to call up Wendell from Funeral Home Dentistry. Wendell, I need your help. Can you come <laughs> down here and help me? You know, or Antonio Tucker. We actually used to be in business together. He's my cousin, but we're still close-knit and we're, friend we're friendly with one another. So we don't have that struggle. Now, I would imagine that, in a, and I hate to say it, but it's facts, in the other governing ordinances where the white film directors are, I would imagine that there is some difficulty for women. Now, most funeral homes are family owned, very similar stories to mine. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's, it's a lot of, it's just different. It's just different. Just like how white and black people are different. It's, that's how the funeral home industry is. Okay. So I don't really have any problem with any of the men. They're my buddies. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. And I'm sure, you know, you were able to lean on them when the, this was kind of thrown on you also. Absolutely. Absolutely. So talk to us about the Women's Business Center of RVA, because I think I might need to join that. I want to join yes. from here. <laughs> yes, I might yes, be coming yes. to that conference in April. Tell us about that. Too. Absolutely. Please do. Please do. Listen, I, this, this job, this position is a labor of love for me. I came across a news article where I heard about the opening of the business center, which was back in March of 20. 20, 2021, I believe, on the campus of Virginia Union. Mm. And so I was just looking somewhere. I can't even remember what I was looking on. And it came up, you know, we're looking for business counselors or whatever. And I said, you know what, I'm going to reach out to them because I have a passion, especially helping women and people of color get their businesses together. Now that I'm comfortable in my little business hat, I'm mm -hmm. like, hey, I think I really want to try to help other people do it because a lot of people come to me and ask me for advice and I enjoy sharing it. That's how I got connected because I saw that they had a new business center opening up on the campus of Virginia Union. So I reached out to them. They called me in to um, interview for the position. And I hadn't been on an interview in like 20 years because wow. I work for myself. So I'm like, I don't even know. I'm just going to go in there and be myself. And so, <laughs> you know, I wasn't, I just went in there and just was talking. And so we connected and we clicked very well. The young lady that is the executive director, her name is Dr. Danny Gladden Green. She is amazing. She has her own tech business. She's like this, this STEM genius. She's wow. really good with math and statistics and things like that. And then the other young lady, Shara, She's the program director and she and I clicked because we both went to Hampton. And so she has a passion and collectively, all of us together, we just gel and we mesh so well together. The Women's Business Center is an SBA funded program. So mm -hmm. we are open on a, on a grant. We are part of a larger institute called the Institute, which is based in North Carolina. So the Institute has these several different umbrellas of women's business centers throughout the United States. So we're the one that's in Richmond, Virginia. Basically, as I said in my bio, we help women, we help minorities get their businesses together. We listen to a lot of customers contact us just to tell us about their plans and they kind of just need some guidance as how to start with well, what do I do and where do I need to go and I need some money. So we talk about those things and we help connect them with the resources that the SBA has to make those things happen because there's so much information and so many resources available that we don't know about because they don't want us to know about. So we are catering to underserved communities primarily to make sure that the word is out. This is available to you. You can get this grant. 
You can wow. do this. You can get that. That's basically what we do. And I absolutely love it. I talked to about last week, I think I talked to about 10 ladies, white, black, it doesn't matter. We've talked to men too. So we welcome everybody. I just listen to them, tell me about their business goals and they just need help in trying to figure out how to start in certain areas. And then I also let them know about certain SBA and government certifications they can have for their businesses to help set them up for contracting. So we just do a lot of talking and listening and guiding and connecting. So it's a really beautiful thing to me because I just have a passion for that. And so I just really enjoy talking with the ladies and I enjoy working with three Black women that are just awesome. I just really enjoy being around positivity and and like-minded women. And we just get along so great. Wow. So listen, ladies, if you are interested in being an entrepreneur and learning more information, go ahead out there on the limb and and call Nakia and and her colleagues and and see where you are. It doesn't matter what business, right, Nakia? Doesn't matter what business. Women's Business Center of Richmond. Um, We have our conference coming up April 27th and 28th. You can learn more about it at www.winningwithwomen.com dot org. It's going to be a two-day conference. We have two keynote speakers, two phenomenal ladies coming. One is Angel Rich. She's also a Hampton University graduate who they're calling the, the, the Black female Steve Jobs, I believe. So she has a financial app that has kind of just taken the financial industry, technical industry by storm, and she's doing amazing things. And then the other young lady that we have is Cheryl Stokes. She is a acclaimed author and motivational speaker and business owner. And she just has a wonderful presence and story that she shares with women across the country to inspire. In addition to that, we'll have several different workshops, different categories, areas that you might be interested in, marketing, social media, all types of things involving business. And we also have a business expo. So if you have a service or product that you like to sell and would like to try to then at our conference, you can contact me for that as well. I'd be happy to help you. What date is this? Yes, ma'am. It's April 27th and 28th at the Greater Richmond Convention Center in Richmond, Virginia, downtown Richmond. It is a fee. The registration fee for the conference for the two days, it includes a gala and an awards dinner. It's $199 for the two days. If you wish to be a vendor and attend the conference, you can pay just that fee alone and we'll give you a a courtesy complimentary vending space. If you just want to be a vendor and not attend the conference, it's a $100 fee for that. And the Vending Business Expo is that Wednesday from 1230 to 8. Okay, awesome. And we'll try to put it on our page as well. Absolutely. Well, I did hear you talking about how how you love um, talking to like-minded women. So that brings us our next question of how important you think networking is and it's kind of a two-part question how important you think networking is and how do you brand yourself how important is that branding yourself absolutely networking is is everything i mean you can you got to have people to work with and connect with if you wish to expand if you wish to grow i feel like you know you have to it's like i can't think of any other way of growing and expanding without connecting and building and growing. So it's very important for me to make sure that I keep in contact with the people in the funeral industry. Like I said, we have conferences that we attend where we come together and we learn about new things going on in the industry and we just fellowship. So we make sure that we keep keep a close-knit community amongst ourselves as the local Black funeral directors in the area. Branding, absolutely. You got to have a brand. Your brand speaks volumes. Um, when you think about Mercedes or Bentley or thing like that, you think of luxury. You think I'm getting something good out of that. So mm-hmm. your brand is important because that represents the essence of what you do and who you are. And I'm just a person that believes that integrity is everything. Operating and moving with integrity and in everything that you do is important because that's going to help your brand as well. So networking, branding. That's key to business to me. You can't you can't do it successfully without working those two things well. 
overall, what, what, what do you define as successful? For me, success is helping others elevate with you. I truly believe this with all of my heart that, you know, being a boss, yeah, it's great, you know, to feel like, okay, I'm the person in charge. That's great. That's wonderful. But that does not really mean anything. I really believe that good leadership, good bosses help elevate the people around them to also rise to that status. So to me, that makes a good boss, you know, somebody that is approachable, you know, somebody that's willing to listen. We've all heard of mean bosses and bosses that are not approachable that you can't talk to to think they know everything. And I, I do not agree with that approach to leadership. I believe that a leader listens to the people, you know, because you got to listen and be in tune with the people that are helping support your vision. And then if you see an opportunity or a strength in somebody that maybe works for you, you should encourage them to pursue whatever that is that you see in them and help them elevate and find their own level of success. So for me, bringing others up with you is is what being a boss is all about. That's the most important thing. Okay, Absolutely. I totally agree with that. That has been one of the things that all of the bosses in the series has said, bringing people up with you and, and making people smile and, and being happy and just Absolutely. each other. Now, we're going to switch a little bit. Okay. How do you practice self-care and how important is that to you? Well, it's very important. Um, I have not been that good with that, you know, in, in the previous years of my life. And I will honestly say when I hit 40, I'm now, I'm be 44 this year, I realized how important it was to take care of myself. Um, I think most women fall into the pattern of taking care of spouses, of children, working, that we put ourselves on the shelf. And we say, we're going to get back to it, we're going to get back to her. But I have decided that life is too short. I have just decided to be intentional on making sure that I take care of myself. And that means I take a trip, whether it be with my children, whether it be with my girlfriends, whether it be by myself, whether it be with the bay. I don't know. You know, I make sure <laughs> that I do the things that I like. And, and traveling is one of my favorite things to do. So I've decided that every day, you know, of my life, I will aspire to look for something that I enjoy and do it, even if it's just for a few minutes, you know, for very few minutes. If I like to read, I'm going to take me a couple minutes and then I'm going to read this. I'm not going to think about anything else. I have seen people literally pass away from mm -hmm. stress and anxiety. And I just, I'm like, I can't go out like that. I can't go out like that. I don't want to go out like that. I watch my mother be very stressed out about current things going on in our lives. And that really was awakening to me. Then I watched my father because my parents were young when they passed away. My mom was only 58 and my dad, um, he had a stroke when he was in his 50s as well. And I'm like, that's young, that's you know? Young. So yeah. I know that, yeah, they both lived very stressful lives. They dedicated their lives to other people and they didn't take care of themselves. So me watching that is when I said, look, I can't, like, I got to make sure that I take care of me. I just try to just be intentional about every single day to do something that Nikki likes. And again, my spiritual practice in the morning, I can't go throughout my day without making sure that I spend some time in prayer and solitude, exercising, trying to eat better. All of those things are important to me. So one day at a time, I just try to focus on making sure that I'm taking care of myself and being intentional about it. Awesome. What is the key to co-parenting and making that work? For us, you know, I, I have the utmost respect for my ex-husband. We didn't work out, but I'm grateful that we are able to not be in our feelings, as young kids say. We're not <laughs> in our feelings. You know, we have these kids. We have beautiful kids. We were married very, very young. We've been together for a very long time. So I think with that, we were able to kind of grow a, a great respect for one another, despite the fact that the marriage was not working out anymore. The level of respect that we have for one another has never lost its place. You know, he's a good man. You know, I know that I'm a good woman. 
you know, we just didn't mesh well together romantically. But for us, it's the respect and the communication that we have for one another, but definitely the respect. That's the father of my children. You know, nobody can ever take that place. And because I, you know, I felt guilty about, you know, not having the marriage together anymore. You know, you feel like you're breaking up the home and all that stuff. I've gotten over that now. I'm good. Mm -hmm. At the same time, I'm like, we have a different dynamic that we have to create now. It's a different way to be a family. So I still consider us a family. I just make sure that we figure out how to do it a little bit differently. And so far, we have been able to do it and make it work. It's not been easy because, of course, you got to go through that that time period of dealing with the fact of accepting the fact that the marriage part of it is over. But we're kind of well into that now and over it. I'm definitely over it. So I'm like, I can focus on you as a man and focus on building this new relationship as you as my friend. Right. You know, and we have these children here that we both love that I want to see firsthand that mommy and daddy might not be together anymore like that, but we still have a love and respect and admiration for one another. And we're still a family unit. So we're just doing things differently, a different dynamic. We're both in our forties. Like I said, we were married very young. I was only 21 years old when I got married. He was only 22. We didn't know what we was doing. We got married because I was pregnant. You know, so we mm. both come from preacher houses and they're like, wait a minute, y'all got to get married. And we're mm. kind of like, okay, <laughs> you know, and not that there was not any love or anything, right. but I'm, I ain't know nothing about that. You know, I'm like, okay. And I do not, I'm good. Like the marriage thing is beautiful, but I'm so very happy to not be married and to be free because <laughs> I, I never experienced it. Yeah, I get it. I get it. I hear you talking about, yeah. oh, I can decorate and I ain't got to ask nobody yeah. or, yes. you know, I'm not, I don't have to share my space. I so, don't. Yeah. And I'm, I'm really enjoying not having a man other than my children, my male children in my home. I love it. Well, I mean, it's admirable that you are able to create that circle of love for your family. That, that mm-hmm. is something that a lot of us can learn from. I can mm-hmm. honestly say that. Um, Absolutely. Now, one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about was what advice would you give to our women that are listening? Follow your passions. Definitely do something that you love because it's not easy to start a business. You know, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of late nights. It's a lot of blood, sweat, and tears. It's really literally your baby. If you start a business, first and foremost, Make sure it's something that you're not just trying to get into because you heard you can make some money from it. Make sure it's something that you really, truly enjoy and are passionate about because your passion is what's going to give you the fuel and the energy to get through those difficult moments because you love it. And I would definitely also recommend making sure that you research what it is you're trying to do. (laughs) A lot of businesses fail because we don't take the time to research. We get excited about the idea We go out here, we start doing it, but we haven't properly planned and we haven't properly thought about, you know, various scenarios because again, having a business is not easy. It's very, very hard. Some businesses will do better than others just because of the very nature of the business. But I believe that it doesn't matter what your business is. If you're passionate about it, if you plan for it well, if you identify the people that you know will buy your service or your product and connect with them well, then you can make it work. Whatever your business is, don't just jump on it because it's a trend. Everybody wants to be in real estate now because you're making millions in real estate. Mm-hmm. You got to ask yourself, do I really even want to do this though? Because <laughs> it's, it's a lot of work, you know, and yeah. it's a lot of risk. Everybody wants to flip houses. Do you really mm-hmm. want to, everybody want to sell um, eyelashes and stuff? Okay, so let's think about this thing now, <laughs> you know, yes. so yes. just don't jump on it because it seems like a, a um, quick money making thing. It, it really, you know, you might be able to make a couple hundred dollars here and there, but if you really truly want to build something that is lasting, you got to put that work in and it's got to be something that you're passionate about. So let me ask you, you inherited <laughs> your business. If you mm-hmm. were doing business from the blind, what would you want to do? Is there another business venture that you want to get into? Or what is your passion? 
Mm-hmm. I, my my passion is business, helping others with business. I have mm-hmm. discovered that through working at the funeral home, I enjoy making sure that I maintain the overall health of the business. Now, the actual, what we do at the business, I don't have any interest in that. Of course, I'll make sure that everybody is good. I'm happy to talk to families. Hey, how y'all doing? I'm so sorry to hear about such and such and that and all that. But that is not, <laughs> that's not what I do, you know, because that's not my interest. But I do enjoy the challenges. And I never thought I would say this, but it's very gratifying when I have a challenge and I figure out how to way to solve it. And I'm like, oh, yes. So I'm more so like looking at the actual daily operations of businesses. I've discovered through working at the funeral home, the passion to want to help others because I wish I had some help in some areas. And since I've learned some things, I believe in sharing knowledge. And then I also have a vision for our city of Petersburg to bring back some businesses to the city of Petersburg. When I walk out to the, out the front door of the funeral home, when I was a little girl, there used to be businesses all around. Wow. Now, when you walk out the front door, there's nothing there, but Wilkinson Funeral Home across the street. Yes, so and churches. Both of us. Still yes. with churches. Yes. Yes, and back in the early, I would say, 1900s, Halifax Triangle is that little area used to be booming with black businesses, black doctors' offices, black dentists. We don't have any of that. So I have a vision to rebuild that triangle in front of me. And God gave it to me. I know he wouldn't give me anything that he won't bring to pass. So, you know, I'm I'm being ever so careful to listen to his instruction, praying for the resources to line up to be able to do it. And so I have a passion to help the city of Petersburg. And I'm really, really serious about that. You know, I've kind of adopted Petersburg too, being a Trojan and going to Virginia State. I would never have thought that my life would circle back into Petersburg with the church and have a business in Petersburg. So, yeah. And, and, you know, I want to do more for the city myself, even though I'm a Richmonder. We got to link up. Yeah, definitely. definitely. I am definitely available and, and interested in that. Listen, I'm giving out our secrets, just one secret. We are going to have a retreat here in Savannah, Georgia. So awesome. Yeah. You guys know now, save up your coins, drive down to Savannah. We have a lot of stuff for you to do. Savannah is a beautiful city right on the coast. Um, so we, we want to invite is. you all down to our lovely, lovely city. Well, guys. We are very, very, very happy that Nakia blessed us with her knowledge of how to become an entrepreneur and gave us some tips on what what she thinks is a success and some of her some of her ideas of what she wants to do next. I truly appreciate her being with us. We know what that sound is. Come through sound effects. <laughs> Girl, you, I'm learning. I'm having fun. Tonight we're going to do something a little different. We usually do these financial coaching tips and Red's mental health tip. But tonight we're going to talk about something that is on our heart. And feel free to jump in too, Nakia, with this. Okay. We want to talk about justice contagious and what she's going through right now yeah what a boss she is Mm -hmm. and dealing with keeping her calm in the middle of this storm that she has been in we want to just talk about what she's dealing with right now and if you have been watching this you can see that this woman is dealing with something that other justices have not had to deal with at Mm -hmm. all Mm mm-hmm it, it it's shameful. It's shameful. We talked about Ted Cruz and Lindsey Graham, who I think Graham was the one who recommended her or voted for her at some point. Now he's trying to backtrack. But I was listening to the Ricky Smiley morning show this morning. Cory Booker talked about her and how everything was going and told that she reminded him of his mother. And he just broke down and cried. And he just, you know, he called out those Republicans for the way that they were mis- 
mistreating her and addressing her or whatever and just being very disrespectful. They were just being completely disrespectful. But he felt to speak up for her. And I just thought that that was awesome and brave and, and all that stuff because they absolutely have no reason not to vote for her. And it's just so important. These are the same, the same senators that we see. We, the states, voted for them. So we have to be careful who we are voting for and who we're, who we're sending to Washington to represent us. You know, those, those midterm elections, they count. You got to get out there and vote. I agree. I sat there and I listened to Ted Cruz talk about, amongst all of the cases that she's dealt with, he picked seven that definitely people would frown upon her judgments, her sentencing. And basically what she was trying to tell him is that she had to follow the laws that were set before her. She couldn't be any harsher than the laws that would allow. Um, And he just kept hounding and hounding and hounding. And even when he asked her the question, he wouldn't allow her to talk. Mm. The chairman told him, well, if you're not going to allow her to talk, we're going to move on. He wouldn't allow her to answer the questions that he wanted her to answer. And I think they're pushing her to to bring this black agenda, you know, even asking her about some books that, you know, about the racism or racial tensions or whatever. And she just politely say, I'm sorry, I have not read those books. They're looking for her to play that black card and, you know, to push her black agenda. And she, and she, you know, she basically said, I'm going to follow the law, the Constitution. You know, it's not about the black and white to me like you guys are trying to make it appear. Asking her about a darn book. Right. It, you, you, that was ridiculous. Did you see that, Nakia? I did. I did. And I felt equally annoyed and, and frustrated. And I'm like, these questions have nothing to do with the job at hand. It was so obvious that they were trying to, like you said, um, make her bring out the black card, you know, and, and try to make her look as if she was just straight for black people. Correct. So it was very frustrating. Uh, I'm so grateful that Cory Booker did take the time to reassure her and remind her that, look, these people are crazy. You right. know, you, you, you know what it is. Like, you're good. Like, don't let these people intimidate you. You know, don't let these white men up here intimidate you and make you feel like you're not worthy of this position. They know you're worthy, and that's why they're doing this. They don't want you here. And that's just facts. You know, I believe in shooting straight from the hip, and that's that's basically what they're doing, period. Because it's ridiculous the things that they're asking her. It doesn't have anything to do with the position at hand. Correct. So let me ask you two strong African-American women or black women. Would you guys have been able to keep your cool? Me, no. I know I couldn't be because I would have cussed them all out and then got my pocketbook and left. (laughs) So the answer for me is absolutely not. Look, piss on y'all and this daggone court. Correct. I would have to look at the importance mm-hmm. of all and what it what it actually means for the future of women, right? In this in this field, and I and I, I would have to sit there and you you know y'all call me faces, my line sisters, call me <laughs> yes, because <laughs> I wear it, I wear it on my face. I would have to I would have to endure. I would have to be be praying the whole time internally. Somebody would have to practice with me at home, being aggressive with me while I sit there and listen. I think I could do it. I think So you sound like she was being interrogated. Basically, instead of interview, that Whoa. wasn't an interview, that was an interrogation. It was being interrogated. Yes. I mean, that was a, you know, some of those senators were able to interview whether they were a Republican or Democratic, some of them were able to interview. And then you had those that were interrogating. That was mm-hmm. their whole job mm-hmm. was to catch her off guard. And to that discredit her, to discredit her. To discredit her, to catch her off guard. They wanted they wanted us to see who they thought she really was. Mm-hmm. Because they don't want her there. 
but you look at but you look at her she's not the fair-skinned black woman with the straight hair this woman has braids or natural haircut and she is a beautiful brown-skinned woman and you know and she she remains poised that out of all of that you said her skin color her hair all that she is the most qualified woman yes yes qualified woman it yes. doesn't matter your skin color your hair your teeth your family none of that you are qualified and she's more yes. qualified than majority of the ones that were asking her the questions that's what bothered me or even the ones that the pre- the last president picked they didn't probably grill her like that and again that's just the importance of these local and state elections who we're sending to represent us in the House of Representatives? Who are we sending to represent us, our state senators? Those things are important because those were the people who were grilling this woman, this beautiful black woman, strong, educated, and her record speaks for itself. I agree. I, I totally agree with you. And and I I didn't mean to to to. T- no, <laughs> to they were they were waiting for her. They were waiting for that that angry black woman to come out. They That's were. all I'm saying. So and Ted, they pushed so Ted Cruz's angry white man came out. Absolutely. That was okay. That Absolutely. Was okay. Absolutely. And just like uh read just like one of our last episodes. They say aggressive, I say assertive. Now, had she become assertive, aggressive, whatever you want to call it, then they would have said, "Look, see?" Mhm. She was able to sit there and be calm. There may have been a couple of facial expressions, but she was able to sit there and be calm. She was my hero. Sit there, be calm, and listen to everything he said and still be respectful to him while he was trying to bury her. I know her husband got an earful. (laughs) I hope she went home and let it all out. I, hope, I, I truly hope that she did. I hope so too. One of the things that I want to bring out to you guys tonight is our tip for the day. Do not let people get under your skin so much so that you lose what your hope and dreams are. She mm-hmm. wants to sit in that seat one day mm-hmm. and she cannot let anyone stand in her way her hopes and dreams say that she is to be a supreme court justice Mm -hmm. none of those senators can stand in her way so please in the heat of the storm try even if you got to practice you go to work and you know that you need that job and but that boss or somebody at work is going to get on your nerves practice at home practice before you go into the building, sit in the car and say, God, give me the strength of faith. Give me everything I need to go in here and handle this job today. Because, sis, don't let anybody stand in the way of between you and your dreams or between you and your responsibilities. Because guess what? Once they, once they unnerve you, once they get you up and in an uproar, guess what they say? I knew it. I knew mm-hmm. she had it in her. I knew it. See there? That's why we don't need her. And you don't you don't want that. You don't want that to be your calling. You don't want them to put that on you because at the end of the day, your dreams, your hopes, it's all on you. You have to make it happen. Just like Sharita told me, I control. I control how I feel. Didn't you tell me that, Sharita? Absolutely. You control how you respond. I control it. So we, we can control it if we want to. And I think that her situation was important enough for her to um, definitely control it. And I know that um, at the end of the day, I feel in my heart that she will do a great job. And we can see that she can handle heat. She can Mm -hmm. definitely handle heat. Kia, Red is going to get into contact with you about attending that event. Yeah, take a couple of pictures and put it on our um, page. Yes, would love to have you. Just let me know. But thank you, ladies, so very much. I love what you guys are doing. I wish you much success um, in your endeavors. And if any uh, way I could be of any assistance to you, 
please don't hesitate to reach out. Absolutely. Thank you so much. You are welcome. Hey, listen, if you if you have a dream, you have something that you really want to do with your life, go ahead and do it. Our bosses, man, these these ladies, Renee, who is our art photographer, Curtina Pollan, who is our image transformation strategist, and Nakia Bland, who is our CEO of Bland Funeral Home. She's working in an industry where there's not many women doing what she does and she is handling it like a boss. Listen, if there is something that you want to do, Red, they could do it. You absolutely, can do it. absolutely. No matter how old you are, how young you are, how much money you have, how much money you don't have. Where there's a will, there's a way. Absolutely. Absolutely. Keep listening to our podcast. We have several episodes coming that are going to be very entertaining, educational. And we want you to go out there and not only listen, but please, 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 please subscribe, rate, leave comments. We love to hear what you have to say about what we're doing. We need you to stand behind us. Send us messages about episodes, um, titles that you want to hear, subjects that you want to talk about. We are loving this thing, right, Red? We are. Okay. We hope to see you next week for another episode of Inspire Her, the Total Woman with Red and Fee. We are here to inspire her. The total woman. Yay.